This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. So without further ado, I'm going to bring out your hosts, Tyler Burns and Jamar Tisby. Come on out, y'all. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Bro, I want to And give you can you- follow him at jamartisby.substack.com. <laughs> Award-winning. You forgot that part. Okay, we're going to get oh, it right. What? We're going to get that right. We're going to get that right. What you say? Award-winning. You added award-winning before. It's okay, bro. Listen, wow, I'm so you give him, people an inch. I'm going to give him... And then they take a mile. for improvement. Now, let me give you your flowers, Which too. awards? Which we, awards, though? The book awards. Oh, that's right. See? You just won a, a book award. I, I didn't put I'm it in sorry, there. You y'all. put it in there, and then you do, forgot Do you to want add. me to redo this no, 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 for no, no, everybody? No. Okay, Let me okay. give you your flowers, because I was telling so him humble. before, that intro is truly iconic. I say people 30, 40, 50 years from now are going to remember how past the mic started. Greetings and God bless. <laughs> They're going to know that. The man that's my claim to legends. fame, huh? That's all I got. <laughs> you had that fire podcast intro one time. <laughs> I don't know anything else I'm you did. Saying, but, I'm you saying, know. there's going to be a handful of introductions like that no, in a lifetime. No, they're going to remember me as the this. guy who introduced Jamar Tisby. Nah, nah, they're going to remember that intro, and they're going to be like, there was some other guy with him. But that intro, I remember that. Listen, we got to stop cutting up, because we got guests. We got company in we the building. We got company. Yes. Atlanta is in the house. Atlanta, can you make some noise? <laughs> we are here live at the M3 Center studio, owned and operated by Elder Mark Moore Jr. Can we give it up for the M3 Center studio? Thank you, M3. Now, this is our first live show in about three-ish years Since or so. Since the before times, yes. Okay, so we got to knock off some of the rust, okay? Is that all right? Typically, we have some, you know, a theme in our live show, something that we really want to talk <laughs> about. There's a lot of things that we could talk about tonight. Our theme is, you got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do. Have you ever heard that? Anybody ever told y'all that? You got some splaining to do. You got some explaining to do. I want to show y'all a couple of pictures. And because you're a live studio audience, you get to see these pictures before everybody else. (laughs) Now, if you are on Patreon.com, you'll get this video. So you'll get to see all your beautiful faces, everything like that. You can go to Patreon.com forward slash. Pass the mic. If you want to support us, just $1 per episode. But for those of you who are in the building right now. We're about to see some videos, or actually some pictures, pictures, excuse me, of some people who got some explaining to do. Y'all ready to see this? Just a couple. Just a couple. Okay, now, now, first of all, let me tell you this. Okay, now, this is a picture of our brother Kanye. Kanye catches a lot of strays on Pastor Mike. It's not intentional. <laughs> I just want to understand this outfit right now. So, he's got the gloves. He's got the full face mask. I mean, and, and you know what's interesting about this? He might actually be ahead of us because with monkeypox and COVID wow, and everything, wow. He's he might really be ahead. He might okay. be in the future. Yes. His head is some. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, he, he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did anybody see this? This was at the BET Hip Hop Awards, right? It was at the BET Awards or the BET Hip Hop Awards. Yes. And it was the it was the Diddy um, 
tribute. Yes, yeah. yes, the Diddy tribute. That was that was interesting. Okay, let's go to the next one here because I think. Okay, now Jamar, you picked this one. Who is who is this, and what is the thing here? This is random one and random two. It's clearly one person loudly, probably drunkenly, explaining to somebody else who is completely over it whatever she's talking about. So instead of you got some explaining to do, the question is, what is she explaining? <laughs> right. Okay. What That's is actually true. I'm trying to figure. Out, I'm trying to figure this out. Help me understand. Make it make she's sense. She's explaining. Critical race theory. No, don't. She's explaining every time you say racism, that's critical race theory. That's Marxist. Is this what we're doing tonight? Is this what we're doing tonight? This is clearly what she's doing. This is how you feel? That's that's what she's doing. I didn't know this was how you felt. You were just asleep in the back. This is how you feel? I'm just saying. That's what they were doing. You woke up and chose violence. That's exactly. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Okay, we got any others? We got any other pictures here? I'm, I'm curious who else. Now, let me tell you something, black man. Black man, you got some explaining to do. Listen. I saw this picture online. My brother, our, our brother, Dr. Jamar Tisby, the award-winning, two-time best-selling author. All true. He went to the Taylor Swift Education Center. Now, number one, I didn't know that the Taylor Swift Education Center existed. <laughs> Raise your hand if you knew it existed. <sighs> See, this is the thing. Number one, how did you know this? Listen. And why were you there? Why, why were you there? You could have listened to the music in private. You could have played it at obnoxious levels yeah. while you were driving yeah. down yeah. to here yeah. for this retreat. But yeah. you decided to go get educated by yeah. Taylor Swift? Yeah. Well, they had invited me there to talk about the connections between okay. blues anyway, music and uh, country music. So. Are you serious? No. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel silly? Wouldn't you feel silly? I was like, I was not. You're right. You explained as well. This is Nashville Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm walking by the sidewalk and I see the sign. I'm like, oh, this would be a dope picture. By the way, there was somebody there taking a picture in front of the sign just before I was there. And then she offers to take my pictures because she's like, oh my gosh, Swifties got to stick together. I'm like, I just want a picture, I but cool. No, whoa, 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 whoa. You agreed with this when she says Swifties got to stick together? Well, I didn't want to take a selfie because I couldn't get the whole sign in. So, But when she says Swifties got to stick together. I didn't say anything. I said thank you. Silence is complicity. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I wasn't so signed. Swifties got to stick together? You. I'm just wondering why it's it's toxic to you that a black man can't like a particular kind of music or artist. No, no, no. I didn't I'm just say wondering. That. I'm just, I, I just, just want you to explain. explain that. Explain I didn't say that. we were a monolith. Explain I just said that. I just wanted you to explain. <laughs> Did you go inside? I didn't go inside. Okay. We were just coming, as a matter of fact, from the African American Musical Hall of Fame, which is two blocks away. Okay. There I'll give you go. that one. I'll give you that one. That's fair. <laughs> okay. You That's got fair. me. All right. What's next? What's next? What do you mean, what's next? What? We got one more picture. Oh, we got another picture? Oh. Okay. Now, hold on now. Okay. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Low blow here. Whoa. Whoa. Please tell me, Brother Tyler. Um, who hold was on your... now. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who... who who was the barber who lined you up here? Listen, okay, so times who was hard. Who got your edges? Times was hard. Um, you know, I was eating ramen noodles. I was eating Easy Mac every night. Okay, okay. And I just figured I was going to grab some clippers. things have to be sacrificed. Yeah, things have to be sacrificed. But look at, but look at my smirk, though. I still no, have the don't, smirk. Don't, don't just skip over the hairline, I kind of look like I'm a little faded right don't here. Don't just skip over the hairline. Look at you, looking like a cherub. Okay. Come on now. So this is this was at Liberty University. I was 18, well, 19 years old. I was struggling. 
Um, I was struggling with my identity. I was struggling with my blackness. I didn't know who I was, and I was broke. Didn't know so any I good decided, barbers. I didn't know any good barbers. It was Lynchburg, Virginia. Are there any good barbers in Lynchburg, You're going to try to make us feel sorry for you. Here's the splaining you got to do. What, what splaining do I have to do? What kind of pickup line is this Tyler Burns using? What do you mean? What kind of... <laughs> Why, why hey do you girl. go there? Why does your mind go hey there? Because of that look. Look at your eyes, bro. Look at your eyes. What's like, wrong with it? Well, oh, I mean, yeah. Let me I holler think, at you real quick. Good. You want to recite some Bible verses together? You know, I, I won the Bible sword drills when I was in school. But I did, though. And I, I think this is pretty... I, okay, anyway, I can't explain that one. I can't explain. We all have issues. I worked through it, okay? I think we got one more picture, right? We got one more picture? I think picture? we got one more. Okay, now y'all know this brother right here? Do y'all know this guy? Okay, so some of y'all are familiar with this guy. He just recently got robbed. He is a pastor, and he got robbed live during, during the church his service. service in Brooklyn. And, you know, I'm not going to put the brother out there and put his name out there and all that, but I'm just saying this was very interesting. So he's wearing this fancy suit. Gucci's he's got, head to toe. Yeah, from head to toe. He's got the ring. He's got the watch. Did you hear about this story? Yes, I heard about this story. He was in his pulpit, robbed at gunpoint. Over a million dollars worth of jewelry stolen. I had to say jewelry because it's a million dollars of it. Live? Like on his person? He was wearing a million dollars of jewelry? Necklaces, rings, all of it. Yeah. Now, owning a million dollars of jewelry is one thing. (laughs) Wearing it to church? As the pastor preaching... Why'd you storefront. say, why'd you have to say storefront? Storefront. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted he to make sure we heard that. Storefront. So this is not a big cathedral, mega church, wow. anything. You know, so when I was, so we have Sunday afternoon service. And so I preached and then right after um, our drummer came up to me, said, Pastor, did you hear about this guy who got robbed in church? This pastor who got robbed. I thought it was somebody in our area. And so I said, who was it? Who was it? Where is he at? Is he okay? He's like, nah, it's this guy. So he DMs me this link. And I see this, and it's actually really harrowing, y'all, because, you know, he was robbed at gunpoint. I mean, there's guns in the church. Out. Multiple guys. Out. I mean, yeah. it was very scary. And some of the reactions and responses that I heard, it made me feel a certain type of way because I said, nobody deserves to be robbed and treated like it's this, traumatic. no matter what. He's an image bearer of God. I mean, come on, y'all. Like, I just, I was like, why are we talking about how much jewelry he had? I didn't understand that. And then I saw this video, Jamar. I saw this video, and I still believe that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying but. But but I saw this video. <laughs> I'm not saying but. But. I saw yes. this video, and it vexed me because it was his brother, and he was sitting in the car with somebody else. And he same was talking guy, about. Yeah, video. same guy, different situation. And he was saying, hey, I'm getting ready to, to, to get a new car. I got to upgrade. So he walks out, and there's a Rolls Royce sitting right there, right? And so he's like, yo, this is a nice car. You're going to trade it in? He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to trade it in. I'm going to get another one. And he got another one. And he walked around. It was a slow-mo, and it was the slick video and the confetti. And I have to admit to you, as a fellow pastor, I look back, and I was like, mm, okay, if you living like that, you, you kind of got some explaining to do. Because that video was intentionally like, let me show you what I got. Mm. Let me show you my stuff. Let me show you not just one rolls, but two as I go to get the second one. And so it added another dimension or context to Mm. the previous video and him getting robbed. Apparently, it was common knowledge that he had this amount of goods on, on him and available. So yeah, I agree with you. That video added another layer of context. And it made me ask this question. Have y all ever looked at the church 
and perhaps maybe the church you came from or the church you're going to or the church you left and said, I don't understand why we do what we do. You ever looked at it and said, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I feel as though we should be presenting a certain type of message, but now the message that we're presenting, it's not about the basics of the gospel. It's not about lifting up Jesus. It's about us. And it seems a little bit selfish. And one of the ways that we see this is prosperity, right? That's right. That's right. In this case, what I mean, when I first heard about the video, first it was like, oh, no, this happened in church, like during service is no place sacred. And then in the headlines, they're like the monetary value Hmm. of the jewelry that he had. And I'm like, this is really interesting as we follow a poor carpenter from Nazareth who had no place to lay his head. And that doesn't mean that everybody everywhere who follows Jesus doesn't have any money whatsoever. Absolutely not. It, it, to me, though, it was that juxtaposition of how this pastor, this man of God is representing himself and the faith and himself as a representative of Jesus. And I just wondered. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about a pastor that has that? You know, there's this whole preachers and sneakers movement. Now there's uh-huh. prophets and watches. Did y'all hear that? Prophets and watches. It's a thing. So there's preachers and sneakers, there's prophets and watches. And I have to be honest, man, I don't think there's anything wrong with having nice things or what have you. It just feels interesting sometimes when I see it. How does it make you feel? It, 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 it yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> he like, mm, do you really want me to say? It's a lot. Okay. I, I think it's a, I think it can easily turn into a distraction. Okay. Uh, whatever your level of wealth or whatnot, when you are drawing that much attention to yourself, it's dangerous if you are up there representing God. So it just, it made me feel uncomfortable, but it also raised a lot of questions. Like, is there a line? Hmm. How far is too far? What about particularly in the black experience and our relationship to money factors into all of these things Uh, from from a people who historically have been excluded from accumulating material resources? And then when you have some access to that, is that any different than other groups? And why do we, whenever we think of the prosperity gospel, automatically think of black preachers? Why is it that we have these images of black preachers in our heads immediately whenever we say prosperity and preachers? Mm. Why is that our default? You know, it's interesting because when you think about the position of pastor, and as a pastor, I think I have a unique insight into this. (laughs) And being a PK, I have unique insight into this. The pastor in black context historically has been so important to the community. That's right. The pastor was never just the preacher. Uh, The pastor was also the person who was the advocate, the politician. Uh, The pastor was your lawyer if you had no representation. The pastor was your advocate in the medical field if you didn't have a good doctor. Vouch for you to get a job. All of the above. Was a cosigner. All the above. The pastor was central and important. And and as a result, it's led to the centrality of church being around a person. Mm. And he or she, whoever they may be, they're central to the lived Christian experience and the experience of the faith community. And that's beautiful. Right. But it's also, there's a double-edged sword. It can also be dangerous. Yeah. Because then that person is elevated above accountability, elevated above challenge, elevated above consequence. And then what do we see? We see pastors who have unchecked power and unchecked uh, ability to do whatever they want in secret. And then we get these stories and these tragedies and others that many of you, unfortunately, have experienced for yourselves. Yes, it is that 
multi-layered thing. So whenever I ask black people where you go to church, they'll invariably name not only the church, but the pastor. I go to Greater oh, Mount true, Zion. Though. That's true, though. My pastor is AJ Smith Williams, <laughs> you know. That's true, Bishop, though. Whatever. So it's so interesting because I think that is a way to give honor to the person yeah, of God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Give honor to the leader. And uh, many, many times I feel if I'll go speak at a black church or preach there, I'll feel so cared for because they really, really do honor that role in that position. But as you were saying, the flip side is if you elevate that person too much, especially without accountability, people around them who are more or less peers in different ways, then it can tip over the line to ostentatiousness as we're talking about, particularly that boy the other using thing, them words. I tell y'all, the other thing is <laughs> he done dropped about 10 this whole trip. I've been like, what? <laughs> I'm normally pretty good with my vocabulary, but you just be on another level. Well, I brother. appreciate that. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Blue Check verified himself. Mr. Man. Loquaciousness, yes. Uh, see, um, this <laughs> you educated. Though. The other thing, do we always default when we think of prosperity or prosperity gospel, we always default to the material. But yeah. are there other forms of a prosperity gospel in the sense of you do XYZ, you will get your blessing? And it may or may not be attached to a financial, if you believe this way, wow. if you are faithful in attending this way, wow. if you, whatever, right, then you will get your, it's, it's, a, it's a transactional thing with God rather than the grace of God blessing you. That's deep. That's very interesting. I also saw another video recently where a pastor was calling his parishioners broke and cheap. Oh. Did y'all see this? Wow. He was like, man, I'm not worth your McDonald's money, your Red Lobster money, your St. John money. Then he said they sell Movado watches at Sam's. I did not know this. I, 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 <laughs> he said I they mean, sell Movado watches at Sam's. Why didn't y'all get me one? You could have just gone into Sam's Club and got him a, a Movado watch. And it made me, it made me so sad. And it made me sad because of all the things that are happening in our world and of all the despair that people feel, we have to have a message that is more than materials. We have to have a message that is more than just what we receive for ourselves and what other people can receive for themselves. That there's a hope that's necessary and a joy and a peace that's necessary in these times. And it made me so sad because I imagine that single mother that came to church that day and just needed to hear a word of hope, mm. just needed to hear it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And instead she heard, let me talk to my cheap sons and daughters. It grieved me. And there are some people who hear those situations and they're able to contextualize them and they're able to give grace and mercy. And then there's other people who hear that and they never come back to the church That's right. again. That's right. That's right. I haven't really talked about this on past the mic, but you know, when when we look back on eras past, their sins, their failings are quite evident. And so we look back at race-based chattel slavery, we look back at Jim Crow segregation, and the question is frequently asked 30, 40, 50 years from now, should the Lord tarry, what will we look back on as the glaring issue of our day? I would not be surprised if it was greed and materialism. We live in, in the United States, the wealthiest nation on earth. 
does it seem like God might have something to say mm. about our responsibility in that context? Even if we don't individually have that kind of wealth, right? But it's more about the, your relationship to, that this is what MLK was talking about in the, in the three evils, racism, uh, uh, militarism, and materialism, right? And I think this is, first of all, that materialism is what fueled race-based chattel slavery. It was this um, attitude of acquisitiveness. Can I get more, more, more? For less, less, less. Well, that was good. Attitude of what? Say that again. Acquisitiveness. Yes, yes. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds good. Um, um, and then. Oh, in his bag. Wow. Well, he said okay. acquisition, the attitude of acquisition. Very good. Thank you, Cody. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> see, we got some wordsmiths up in here. Um, but it was, it was that, it was, it was the profit motive, right? Yeah. That undergirded that ultimately. And so much right now are issues with climate. Profit mode, we can still make money off of oil and coal, oil and coal. So, okay, so what? The earth is heating up, right? And then in our churches, are they places that are friendly to, loving toward, accessible to the poor? Let's take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll be right back here on Pastor Mike. We're here live in ATL. ATL, make some noise. We'll be right back. Hello, beautiful people. Natasha Sistrunk Robinson here, host of A Sojourner's Truth, Conversations for a Changing Culture podcast. Did you miss me? We're back for season three, where our conversations will center around the hashtag grief. And join us for these important conversations and subscribe today. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike. But let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now, that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening. But you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu slash admit. So Jamar, you just were talking about this attitude of greed and materialism. And I think some people may misunderstand it because they're just trying to make ends meet. They're trying to have enough to survive and flourish and so what you're not talking about is just embracing poverty just because, right? Exactly. You're not taking a vow of poverty. That's not what you're talking about. I, th- I think that is part of the tension that I feel when I was talking earlier about what about a people who historically have been barred from acquiring even just the basic necessities, right? We, we were barred from having our own liberty and freedom at one point, right? So in that sense, and, and we have another podcast talking about the wealth gap. 
in the income gap, right? And so in that sense- That one sense, is good, y'all. Those numbers, wow. Those numbers. Right. And so there is, I think, a sense in which we are pursuing something that, that, that has been withheld from us. Yeah, yeah. And that's different, right? Yeah. But I think materialism is, is, is not even so much about how much you have is your relationship to what you have. Yes. You know what I mean? And it also hurts me because, you know, my experience has been as a PK and as a pastor that some of the people who are most generous and also some of the people who are most poor that I know are pastors. Yes. Okay. Speak on it. Cause you've lived this. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, I took over our church at the end of 2019 and it was unexpected. I had about a week's notice. And <laughs> a, a, a what? Um, a week. It was supposed to be two years, ended up being a two month transition. It was about a week's notice. I don't think I've ever talked publicly about this. So this would be interesting. Hi. Um, <laughs> And um, got about a week, and then they were like, yeah, you got to take over. I'm like, cool. And then um, Benaya, our son, our second child, was five months, I feel like. And then basically I took over in the midst of a church split. Mm. And so there was a lot of instability. And when I took over, um, it's okay, Cody. (laughs) When I took over... You're even. You gave us a word. You messed you up the audio. You gave us a word. Audio. You dropped your phone. It's, okay. it's fine. I told y'all this yeah. is live. I love you, bro. <laughs> and when I took over, I was like, okay, so do we have a thing for 2020? So this is pre-pandemic. They were like, nah, that's you. I was like, cool. Um, and so the next week they they brought me in and they said, hey, you know, we hate to say this, especially after you took over, but we got to cut your salary in half. Half. And... I remember thinking in my head, it was the first time as husband, father, really as a pastor that I panicked. Like there was this visceral sense of what am I going to do? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I hadn't relied on the church. I've never relied on the church to pay all my salary. Like I've always been bivocational. I encourage it. When I was ordained, the day I was ordained, I had a regular job, all the above. But that one caught me. And I remember those moments of when the church didn't have the money, my father would pay the bills. Somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> we would pay the bills. And it's one of those things that people don't see. And so it hurt my heart even more to hear and see pastors mismanage and mishandle funds because yes. I look at it and I say, there's so many other pastors who have absolutely no idea how they're going to pay for their kids' college. No retirement for unexpected, no, no 401k, no pension. And it hurt me because I said it also now is distracting from the faithfulness of pastors that we see so often in our lives. And I'm going to tell you some of the, some of the pastors who, some of the people you wouldn't, you wouldn't even imagine and they struggle. They struggle just because, just because they want to make sure that the lights stay on at the church. Right. Right, right. And it's often- And that's the side we don't see. That's the side we don't see. The struggle. And and it's often the case that those who minister in the least resourced communities have the least resources at their disposal. Absolutely. 
right? When, when, when the opposite should be true, where the need is greatest, the supply should be abundant. Oh, see, now you just said a word. Hold whoa, on now. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're preaching now. Where the need is greatest, the no, supply no, okay. should be abundant. We're going to do, do baby steps. We're doing baby steps on that. I ain't ready for ain't that Ain't no organist over here. We're just going to do, we're going to do baby steps. But, but, but that is, it, it is, it is the frustrating reality. Again, as I say, our relationship to money, our relationship to material things, are we not willing, and I'm even just talking about the church, much less the government, right? Are we not willing to share our resources with those who are ministering in the environments that need the most resources and to do it without strings attached, to let them minister? Just say the word. I don't know what you're talking about. Reparations. Ah. (laughs) Ecclesiastical reparations, as some (laughs) say. There you go. You wrote a book. You wrote in your book. Uh, Listen, um, it should... There should be no poor among you. Hmm. No, let me tell you something. Jamar lives that. He's not saying that he lives that. I know he lives that. That's well, not a that's not a game with him. He is not quoting a and he would never tell you that. He's not quoting a, a scripture or a spiritual sentiment to just quote it. He lives it. It just seems apparent in the Bible that where there is need, particularly within the household of God, you share the wealth. And we have particularly so many black pastors. I, I, I remember it, it's just a, 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 a strange concept that you would have a full church staff. You would have somebody dedicated to this area and that area and this area. And that's not a bad thing. But so many black churches, you have part time pastors because the funds and the resources aren't enough to supply a full time dedication to a job that takes more than full time time. And so that for me, is extremely burdensome and frustrating. And mind you, by income level, I live in the fourth poorest county in the nation. Mm. Poverty level in my town is 41%. State average is around 20. National average is about 17. Our school where I used to teach, I used to be a teacher and a middle school principal, if you reach a certain threshold in terms of percentage of your students, those students can qualify for free or reduced lunch uh, from the federal government. If you pass a certain threshold of students who qualify for free or reduced lunch, the whole school gets free lunch just because it's like, okay, y'all got too many. So just everybody. That was our school. And so I've seen laborers for the Lord in churches Nothing but storefront churches. I've, here's, a, here's a perfect example. There are several historic churches downtown dating back to the 19th century. There's a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church, Episcopal church, all historically white. All dwindling conversa- congregations, some less than a dozen. The, beautiful, the, the building's still beautifully maintained. Absolutely. There's one historic black church downtown. Mm. If you saw it, it would make you cry. The roof is literally crumbling, and it was designed by a black architect. It was built in 1905. It is a gorgeous structure. And yet, so when we talk about reparations, we talk about the racial wealth gap. Hmm. That's in the church, too. Wow. Yeah. That's good, bro. That's good. You you know, I think as we kind of wrap this up, the point of bringing this out when we talk about explaining and we have some explaining to do as a church, as pastors, as communities of faith. I think the point in all of this that we should all hear, whether we're pastors or not, whether we're you know, actively in church or not, is 
how we represent the one we claim to serve and worship matters. Right. And what we are doing has ripple effects for other people and how we live and what we say. And some of you, I know some of you in here, so I know you've lived this, that being ostracized, being kicked out, being isolated because of the stand that you take for from your friends, from your church, from your family, it has ripple effects. And some of us were right on the thread and on the line of giving up on the faith altogether because of what someone else has done. And sure, we know that the body is comprised of more people than just the people who hurt us. But we also recognize that those things, that hurt is very real. And so how we represent Jesus matters. Mm. It does. And it matters from the person in the pew to the person behind the the, the pulpit. And it's my hope and it's our hope that we would bear witness. There we go. The witness. <laughs> Let that marinate. And we'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. <laughs> Why are you making fun of my pauses? You've been making fun of my pauses all week. <laughs> Woo. They're not ready for that one yet. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's not. But how we bear witness in our local context, it matters. So how you treat the most marginalized in your congregation matters. It's very easy to point to old buddy and be like, man, Gucci suit, get out of here. When you walk past the person who is most marginalizing your congregation. My, my, my. That matters. Why do you avoid them? Just because they don't have an address and they smell different than you. That matters. Yeah. And we must bear witness together. Yeah. Yeah. Witness is a noun and a verb. Hmm. You know, you are a witness. That's, that's what we embody. And so everything we say, think, and do, the way we present to the world is a witness. And it's a verb. We bear witness. It's an action. It's what we do. It's what we decide to do or what we choose not to do. And as followers of Jesus, we are witnesses and we bear witnesses to the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. 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 That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I didn't give you a begrudging amen. It was just the inflection I used when I said amen. Are we going to have this fight again? He said Amen. <laughs> I didn't say Amen. it like that. I was thinking, and Mary didn't know what you were saying. It was a deep point. ATL, can you make some noise one more time for us? Thank you so much. We're going to close out uh, this episode. And if for you all, you just stay here, and we're getting ready to head into our second episode after about a five minute break. But. For those of you who are tuned in on Patreon or you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for joining us here. And we'll see you soon on the next Pass the Mic. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.